saith to us. And we receive, Lord, not just words of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And let us understand it effectively works in us who yeah. believe in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rodney. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I am very fallible. So, uh, good morning, everybody. Great to see everyone. We have an important event to love our awesome community, Detroit, in a few minutes. And um, today, what we're going to do is we're looking at a continuation of what we started last week. So, if you weren't here last week, I am going to kind of remind us of some things, and you'll maybe catch on to the uh, flow of what we're doing. But through the month of May, we are specifically looking at... Um, following Jesus, but more importantly, uh, making, accomplishing our mandate of making followers or helping others to follow Jesus. That is why the church still exists on the earth. And uh, I'm in it to win. I'm in this thing to win at every level. Uh, I'm not in this thing to just kind of coast through life and do what's always been done or do what's comfortable, uh, let's I clearly articulate and identify what our purpose is and clearly grapple with what it's going to take to get there. And so, to be quite honest with you, what we're discussing today, I am speaking from a perspective of um, kind of assuming, can I say, that we've moved past the idea of uh, am I willing to do what Jesus has called me to do? I'm basically speaking this morning to people who have said, count me in, I want to go, I just want to know how to get there. Yeah. So if you're not there, I pray that today would, it would inspire and stir and convict and do those kinds of things. But uh, this, is, this is something, and maybe the next couple weeks really are something for those who are saying, I want, I've already crossed that Rubicon, so to speak. I, there's no turning back for me. I am going to do the call of God for his church. I'm, I'm in. I just want to know how. And uh, this is for us as a church body, a new church plant, albeit, um, but with a glorious inheritance, not because of how special Border City Church, no, no, because he has given an inheritance to his sons and daughters, the church. And we are a local church with a glorious inheritance if we will follow Jesus into it. So uh, I'm not a big sermon title kind of guy, but you know, today is, is kind of basically, who do I help? So I'm following Jesus, I'm helping others to follow Jesus. Who is it that I help? And by way of reminder, last week you may remember, I'm being very vulnerable and honest and just communicating with you out of my experience over the past year during the phase of this church plant, everyone in the room probably knows I've been involved in real estate business, real estate work. And um, as is the case oftentimes when you go down a pathway that God leads you, you find that God be has purpose in it. And I already knew it was strategic. I wanted to meet people in the community through this, and you get heavily involved in the people's lives, and it's a great way of, of creating a bridge of relationship that maybe we could, I could impact people, or God could use me to impact people, and that kind of thing. But I must tell you that this organization, Keller Williams, which was rated the number one training organization in the country in 2017 by Training Magazine, not the number one real estate training, the number one training across any industry in America, uh, has heavily impacted me and continuously caused me to look at if realtors in this organization are doing this, and there's such a kind of common, there's so many common threads between what realtors are doing and you could apply it over here to the great commission that Jesus has given us. If realtors are this committed to these things, where is the church? I mean, how much more, as, as wonderful as it is to help a person buy or sell a house, as meaningful really as that is. I mean, we're talking about the place that a family occupies and where they base, that's very meaningful. We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about the purpose that, that trumps all other purposes. And somehow the church floats through and super spiritualizes it and thinks the Great Commission is just going to kind of happen. It needs structure, plan, commitment, 
living outside of our comfort zones, if I'm willing to do that for a commission in real estate, let's be willing to do it to see people receive their inheritance from God. Not just eternal life, but become what you and I know that we are to become and what others are to become, rebuilders of ruins. So uh, here's just some reminders. Are you ready? And we're going to get into a, a simple thing, and by the grace of God, we are going to be ending in a time that we can get out there and, and receive people by 1230. Amen? Amen. So by way of reminder, Great Commission. Last week we asked the question, we read every single place where the Great Commission is referenced in Matthew and Mark and Luke, kind of referenced in John, but then certainly Luke's sequel, the, first, the beginning of, chapter of, of uh, the book of Acts. And uh, every single one of them says, preach the gospel to all creation. Make disciples of all nations. This gospel of repentance and remission of sins will be preached, and you are witnesses. Uh, And that word witness means kind of like somebody standing on trial as a witness testifying of what they've seen. You and I are testifying to this earth of what we've seen. Not just seen, but what we have seen. And, uh, and then Jesus says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth. And I asked the almost stupid question, would you agree Jesus has called this church to follow him and help make followers of him? Yes. And unanimously, everybody said yes, and they did again. And so if that's the case, if that is why we are here, shouldn't we have a plan? And so uh, I, in my, just a just to give you a, an idea of what I'm talking about with, with some of the real estate stuff, um, I have had to, I came into this city, I'm not known, the people that did know me when I arrived here knew me as a pastor. For me to go and, and say stuff about real estate is maybe, you know, like you're a pastor, what is this real estate? So basically, I've had to like go make new relationships with utter strangers about real estate. That's how I've done this. And so I have been on the, on the prowl to, like, how do I do this, and, and finding the people who can help me, you know, and, and one of the, so calling for sale by owners has been one thing that I've, I've realized I can legitimately help them almost every time, but then another thing is just a, now, now, hold your horses before you start throwing rotten tomatoes at me, knocking on doors, and, uh, but a value-added like bringing, not just knocking on your door, can I sell your house, you know, how stupid would that be? But knocking on doors, bringing something of value to start a relationship, a connection that would help them to know about their house, how much it's worth, and that, what the neighborhood statistics and those things that can, maybe they have a family member who's selling a house or needs my help or maybe whatever. You following? This isn't a presentation about real estate. This is getting somewhere. And so what I'm getting at is picking up a phone and calling somebody who's trying to call, sell their house by owner, knocking on a door way outside of the comfort zone. Now, as an asterisk, I am not suggesting that we go knocking on doors and asking people if they know where they're going to go when they die or anything like that. Okay? In fact, maybe could I advise you not to do that because that generally doesn't go down well. What I'm saying is if we are willing... If you get to a place where you say, I have to do this, how do I do it? To do it, I'm going to have to step way the heck outside of my comfort zone. Am I willing to or not? Yes, I am. I'm saying if, if to, in order to be successful in real estate, you're willing to do things like that, not just once or twice, but as a new routine to your life. I mean, I was doing this yesterday afternoon, talking to people building up a relationship. I was doing it the previous Saturday and the previous Friday. And the pre- New rhythm to your life. I'm saying how much more should the church be committed to stepping outside of the comfort zone for the sake of giving to people what only the church can give? Let's let that sink into our heart. And we also talked about this whole idea of the, the, the funnel. Okay, so Jesus... Jesus had a, a funnel to his ministry. And uh, for those of you who have ever been involved in sales of any kind, you may be familiar with the sales fun- funnel. Anybody familiar with that at all? Got some nods, maybe. So the idea is, if I want to see closed transactions in real estate, that's ultimately the goal, right? To successfully help somebody buy or sell a house, right? If I want to see that coming out the funnel, then before that, I need to have, let's say, some listings, Right? 
So for every, let's say, 10 listings I have, nine are actually going to close. And that one, there's gonna be some problem, maybe they decide to change their mind, maybe they, who knows. So for every 10, I need, every 10 listings I take, I need nine are actually gonna close. So if I wanna close nine transactions, how many listings do I need? 10. 10. And then uh, if, if uh, let's say, for every listing I take, I need to take probably, it's probably 75% of the listing appointments, sitting down to discuss the possibility of a listing, probably 75% will actually materialize into a listing. So what's uh, 10, 75% of? 13, let's say. So that, that means to get nine transactions closed, I need 10 listings. To get 10 listings, I need 13 listing appointments. To get 13 listing appointments, I need to be discussing with, let's say, 26 people about the possibility of doing something. And to get that, that conversation to that point, I need to have, let's say, maybe 150 people that I've spoken to that possibly could materialize into, do you follow what I'm saying? So there's a wide mouth to the conversations that are happening out here that are completely non-committal. And we don't celebrate the fact that somebody has said, yes, I'm interested in doing business. That doesn't mean the transaction's closed, right? And there are so many things that can happen along the way that cause the transaction not to, to, to close. So if my needed nine transactions aren't coming through here, one of the big things that needs to change is guess what? How many conversations are having out here? And if that's the key, then what's my plan? And I'm asking us, what is our plan? What's your plan, my plan? We've got things that we can do. We're going into Durfee. We're going into Detroit Rescue Mission Ministries. But I'm saying the number one strategy, the number one way in which this gospel is, is intended to spread throughout this city like a divine virus is the life of you and me. Ordinary, normal life people that we rub shoulders with. How is this funnel opening up? And if you say, okay, that's a great thing. Now you're trying to lead the church into some real estate strategy. No, no, no. This is biblical. Jesus had the same thing. In Matthew chapter 4, it says that he was preaching to the crowds. And he was demonstrating the kingdom and power, healing them. He was preaching in crowds. Those crowds were not following him in the way of disciples. They were interested in what was happening. At the beginning of the following chapter, it says he saw the crowds... And he went up into a mountain, and his disciples went there. He had a wide open mouth to his funnel, but the intention wasn't just to have crowds, right? Crowds were supposed to interpret into disciples. Disciples, according to Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. From the crowd, some will become disciples. From those, some of them will follow Jesus into having their heart healed. From, the, from those people, some of them will go on. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound. From those who have their heart healed will also become liberated from the shackles of the stuff of this earth that keep us bound. And it goes on to say to comfort those who mourn in Zion, to appoint, to set them that uh, they would become trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, set a point into their place. So it's, you got crowds. Some of them are going to become disciples. Some of them are going to follow Jesus and having their heart healed and being liberated and appointed into their place. And you spit out on the other side, rebuilders of ruins. Are you following? That is the progression that we want to see. Jesus, my friends, had a wide mouth to his funnel and he doesn't change. And if we are the body of this Jesus, then we need a wide mouth to our funnel. And I'm saying if realtors are very strategic in this, the church needs to be more strategic. I'd love it for Keller Williams to be coming to the church saying, teach us how to have a wide mouth to our funnel. Because we're more committed. It's in a sense a shame that a pastor has to get involved in real estate to find out really how to do this thing. But I'm determined to do it. If I'm, if I'm willing to do it for business, let's do this for the sake of the Great Commission. So the question is, who do we target? How do we know who to target? This is incredibly important. So in the same way that Jesus, in a sense, had a funnel, he also had 
And I almost want to ask you for your forgiveness for using these business uh, 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 terms, but he had a target market. Now that's just, I'm using business worldly terms to say something that is a very legitimate spiritual principle. He had a target market. Now, in a sense, God would that all men would be saved. And, and he died for the sake of the entire world. Absolutely, God loves everybody. I don't care what theologians have told you, God loves every human. And everybody, it would be God's will that they would be saved. Everybody. And though we love and want everybody to be saved, not everybody is good ground to be invested into. And I want to challenge some of us uh, today. I am telling you what we are about to discuss would be, it will become so helpful in focusing our energies in that which will actually produce rebuilders of ruins and not just endless time discipling people. Are you ready? So there is a target market. And just to give you an example of what we're talking about in real estate, I have a target market. Geographically, that would be Detroit. I focus on Detroit because part of the purpose of my real estate business is to connect me with the people of the harvest field that this church has been called to. Not that I won't uh, go beyond Detroit, but, but, but mainly that's the focus. Um, but three qualities that I'm looking for. So just, just follow me because this will we'll get to serious spiritual principle. I'm looking in real estate for people who are qualified, people who are ready, and people who are um, highly motivated. Three qualities. Now, let me give you an exa example of what I'm talking about. I was dealing with somebody earlier this week. Qualified, absolutely. Got a great house, great area. Basically own it free and clear. And uh, huge equity. Value in this neighborhood has skyrocketed. Qualified, out to wazoo. They are uh, ready. You know, they, there's nothing stopping them from, from being able to do it. Motivation, only thing that they want is maybe to move into a bigger house just for the sake of having a bigger, nicer house. Not highly motivated. Got another client who uh, may be ready, highly motivated, but they're not qualified. And guess what happens if I begin to invest all my energies in a person who's ready, motivated, and not qualified? You know what happens? We are, I'm with the best of intentions, I'm trying to help them, but there is an obstacle that is going to impede the ability to go all the way through the funnel. Is it wise for me to, for, with all the love that I have in my heart for this person, to invest a bunch of energy into helping somebody who's not able to pass through? I can love them, I can connect with them, but you can't invest your energies in somebody who's not going to make it all the way through, and the Lord wants us to be wise in bringing a person all the way through the rebuilders of ruins. And let me say this too. He wants you and me to pass through this funnel and become rebuilders of ruins. So let's not only, th let's think of it both ways. God is looking for fruit. If you'll look with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21 when it comes to making followers of Jesus, God is looking for fruit to be born. We just think that, it's, that we have this kind of sloppy, agape idea of we just love and we just pour out and we give time to everybody and, and that's just how we approach. And yes, we love everybody, but God also is looking for our energies to produce a result. Are you following and in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus te teaches a parable that underscores this very idea. He says that, and I'm going to paraphrase it, he says that there was a vine, a vine vineyard owner. And he, he, he releases this vineyard to other people to work it for him. And then one day he decides to send one of his servants to go receive the crop. And when they come out there, the people who are in charge of the vineyard beat him. And then he sends another one and they beat him too. And then he sends another one, and they beat him too. And he finally says, okay, I'm going to send my son. Surely they're not going to touch my son. And when they see his son coming, they say, well, this is the guy that's the inheritor of this vineyard. Let's, like, kill him. And obviously that's a parable referencing the son of God coming into the vineyard of the earth. But then Jesus ends the parable with this very interesting statement at the end of the parable, Matthew 21, 40. And if you'll read it with me. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, Jesus asking his disciples this question, 
what will he do to those vine dressers? And, and they said to him, his disciples, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. So what is the, vine, what is the owner looking for? Fruit. And then he ends it in verse 43. Therefore, Jesus says, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people bearing the fruits of it. The idea of the work of the kingdom of God in the earth is that a seed of the kingdom is being planted inside of human hearts with the intention that that seed grows up to produce a harvest. And while we sow seeds liberally, we don't necessarily farm seed that is not in good ground. Because the intention, my friends, is a harvest. It's a crop. What does that crop look like? A person going through transformation where ultimately they become a rebuilder of the ruins in other lives after ruins have been rebuilt in their own lives or as they're being rebuilt in their own lives. Let's not act like any of us have all of our ruins rebuilt. You follow what I'm saying? Bearing the fruit looks like the kingdom of God growing in a person's life. That does not happen in every case where we, where we sow seed. That doesn't even happen in every case where a person receives the gospel. How many of you have ever met a Christian who received Jesus and essentially never took subsequent steps? It is godly to limit our investment in people who aren't actually bearing fruit. God loves everyone, but not everyone will, will bear fruit. Jesus said, when, he, when you go into a town, remember how he sent the 70 out and uh, two by two and they were to go into every town? He said, when you go into a town, if they do not receive you, kick the dust off of your sandals and go on to the next one. And many Christians, sadly, are pounding on the door of the same person who has not accepted it for whatever reason, believing that someday, somehow, no. Continue to love them. Pop in every once in a while. Keep going. Keep on keeping on. So what is the quality? If, if I'm looking in real estate for qualified people who are highly motivated, people who are ready, those are the people that I actually can help then who are we looking for when it comes to the mission? Here's the number one quality. We're going to talk about two, but one in particular. Poverty of spirit. This is the thing that causes or enables a person to move all, all the way along, is poverty of spirit. So let's look at Isaiah 61, would you? I like that text, personally. Isaiah 61 Verse 1, you don't even have to flip there. I'm going to just reference it. We've heard it a million times. We'll probably hear it a million times again. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to a target market. And what is that target market called? Preach the gospel to the poor. The poor. And the word poor there, the Hebrew word translated in English as poor, does not only mean economically disenfranchised. It means anyone who's in a place of needing help and knows they need help. Right. Well, please hear this with me. The gospel has a target market in the earth, and it's the poor. While we love everyone, God loves everyone. Not everyone is good ground. The best way to reach those who are not good ground is to reach those of good ground. So that when they see the testimony of a changed life, they too will become good ground. Yes. If you'll flip with me to Matthew chapter 5, because some of you are still wondering, is this really true? I'm going I'm to put the nail in the coffin right now. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Jesus, we just referenced it earlier. Jesus saw the multitudes. This is so important. He saw the people who were hanging around the wide open mouth of the funnel. And instead of going to them, his, his strategy was to do this. He saw the multitudes, and he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. 
He saw the multitudes, those who were hanging out around him, interested, wanting to know more. And what he did was he separated himself to, to hang out with the disciples. Why? Because it was the disciples and the change in their lives that was going to become the most effective thing to reach the rest of the multitudes. In other words, Jesus couldn't reach all of them on his own. I mean, he's God, but he has intended to reach the, the earth through sons and daughters of God, you and me. And so he sits them down, and they sit down with him. And in verse 2 it says, He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poverty of spirit, when, uh, when Jesus goes into talking about all of these things of how people are blessed, they're blessed, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the peacemakers, but the first one he mentions is blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because that is the gateway. That is the first, that's the first thing that enables people to be able to pass through. In, in other words, to receive Jesus there has to be a poverty of spirit to realize I need, I need, I'm open, I, I need help. And to follow that same Jesus, when I say follow, I don't mean physically follow, I mean follow his leading of our lives. To follow him through the course of this funnel, poverty of spirit is at the root of all of that, the whole way through. So the poor in spirit is the number one priority, what we're looking at uh, as, we, as we reach people. What does poor actually mean? The word poor in spirit, let's dig into that a little bit, would actually could be translated as uh, a beggar or a pauper. So in Detroit, we have a bit of a picture of that. In South Africa, where I just moved from, we have that at literally every traffic light, you'll see somebody begging. And there in South Africa, it's not begging like, on the curb side of the road, like hoping that somebody's going to be merciful. They, they go in between the lanes, so that when you stop in the middle lane, they're right there and you know, and, and, and begging. So you see it all the time. You see it in Detroit quite a bit as well. What is a beggar? What is a pauper? Three things that I think that we can say about this not, that would not only be applicable to people that we reach, but let's look at ourselves as well. First, a beggar or a pauper, correct me if I'm wrong, they know they need help. I mean, that is the essence of what they're doing. Standing there begging for help. So poor in spirit, when Jesus uses this word, what is he trying to show? They know they need help. My friends, a lot of us in this room don't know that we need help. Because we're comparing ourselves with other Christians. Well, Michelle's dealing with this problem, and so it's okay. And Mickey is dealing with this, you know, so I'm basically good. It's like a normal Christian thing. And, you know. and from the kingdom of heaven, God is saying, I have made the way for the kingdom to come into your life and manifest in full capacity. It's the poor in spirit who say, I have to have it. I'm desperate for the help that I need that actually are going to find it. The same idea as he says later, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. So firstly, poor means that you know your need for help. Secondly, the idea of poor is that you ask. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the person on the curbside, what are they doing? Asking. And I would say to us, those of us who aspire to be poor in spirit, which you never graduate from. I mean, the idea, blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It actually could be translated, blessed are the poor in spirit, for such is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is poor in spirit. It's, it's the culture of the kingdom of God. is an awareness of our need for him. So... So that interprets into asking for help. And I would say this. If we need help to get further in what uh, God wants us to get, we ask firstly who? God. But then I would also say, if you're asking Jesus, Christ, you also ask his body. That's exactly right. How ridiculous would it be, my friends, if I need help in a certain area and Kurt Opel God has gifted him with the supply. And I'm asking God, God, send me the help. And he already has. And I never ask Kurt, even though I know he already has what I need, the wisdom or the input and the advice. I just keep on asking God, God, you got to do this work. I have given you the supply. 
That is how the body of Christ works. So we know we need help, but we also ask for help. And that asking has to be both, you know, lateral and horizontal or whatever, vertical and lateral. And then thirdly is a beggar is determined to get the help. Why do I say that? There's no dignity in begging. There is no, uh, you've basically left, you're, you're doing whatever it takes to find the help. And so when a beggar is asking for the help, they are determined to do whatever it takes to find it. And I want to ask us, I know we're talking about the people that we're trying to reach. We want to see this kind of thing in them. But first, let's also discuss ourselves. Are we determined? Know we need help asking for it, determined. There's that thing of, it's like a bulldog. You guys ever seen a bulldog before? I grew up in Georgia, so, like, you know, we have bulldogs. And you, you put something in a bulldog's mouth, you ain't getting it back. You're going to get that thing, and you, you can't rip it out. That thing, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violent take it by force. I am going to get what he has given me. So the poverty of spirit is knowing you need help, asking for help, but you also are determined to find it. Poverty of spirit enables a person to pass through all the, all the stages of the funnel. And so this all begs the question, I'm sure you're thinking, how can we tell if someone is poor in spirit? How do you tell? And I have a challenging answer, not one that I even am particularly comfortable with, but I know it's biblical. <laughs> You know that a person is in, is, is, you don't know the, the condition until they are presented with an opportunity to respond. So in our relationship with a person, at some point we need to be willing to not just do a continuous, soft, at some point, the same Jesus who said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He says that through his church to people, giving them an opportunity to be in or out. And it's, it's just like the rich young ruler, many of you know the story, came to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, go and sell all of your belongings and give them to the poor and come follow me. And the rich young ruler went away sad because he was a possessor of many things he wasn't willing to let go. Poverty of spirit had not fully materialized in his heart. He wanted to inherit what Jesus had, but not that bad. Jesus drew a line in the sand, giving him an opportunity. And so, even in real estate, I can be talking. Yesterday, I was talking to a guy. We're talking. He's got these ideas. He's saying, got all these properties, interested. But until I make a proposal, do you follow what I'm saying? Why don't we do this? Let's do this. Give him a thing to say yes or no to. There isn't necessarily any forward steps. I've learned that. In other words, sometimes in sales you hear the ABC, always be closing, always bring it to a point of decision. That's applicable, my friends, to the, to the work of the gospel. So I'm not saying when you meet somebody, ask them, will they receive Jesus? Please, can, please don't do that <laughs> unless you know God is leading you to that. What I'm saying is in the relationship, it has to get to a point at some point where we are able to say, or even if a person's received Jesus, hey, I, come follow me as I follow Christ. If the person is not bearing fruit, we have so many people God has called us to reach, please, in the name of love, don't begin investing energies where fruit isn't actually being born. And you know fruit is going to be born when you put, it, put, put down the, here is what, are you in or out? You know? If they're out, cool. Love them. But we're not investing endless time with them. You may be saying, why, why are we even talking about this? Because there are so many people in this city I mean, just Durfee and DRMM alone is potentially going to occupy so much of our time. Yeah. We need to be strategic in where we're going to see rebuilders. 
coming out who are going to have the capacity to turn around and revolutionize the city. I was uh, challenged earlier this week by a church planter who's recently planted, it's like a movement of church planting in in California, uh, micro churches. It's like another very interesting discipleship-based thing. Really interesting, really cool. But uh, he said, look, I reckon that we are not just supposed to see churches planted or people get saved. We're supposed to see the kingdom of heaven manifesting on the earth, like a revolution of culture. And for that to happen, I think that we would probably, to see the scale tip, really, we need, they're in L.A., we would probably need 40% of L.A. to be, like, following Jesus. And, and so, like, that sounds ridiculous, but he's completely serious. And so if we're going to do that, how can we do church in such a way that we can see something organic, viral happen? And um, that's what, I mean, that's what they're thinking. And I'm, I'm saying, why not? I mean, it was said of the apostles that they turned the world upside down. Why can't Detroit be turned upside down? But I, I'll tell you this, that's not going to happen by us endlessly pouring ourselves into people who aren't going to bear the fruit. We still love them. We love everybody. We're looking for the poor in spirit. That is who is going to pass from here all the way through to being one who will then go and reproduce 120 others. Who will then go and produce, reproduce 120 others who will then go, and, you know what I'm saying? We want to see the kingdom here. So, uh, quality number two, and I'm just going to reference it and then we'll close. Just by way of reminder, if you look with me to Luke chapter 10, people of peace. So, the first quality we're looking for out of the two we want to mention today, poor in spirit, that's the most important. Love people but you know they're poor in spirit when presented with an opportunity, they say yes and follow. Presented with a biblical God opportunity, say yes and they actually are following. You know you have the ground that can bear fruit. But then who else are we targeting? Because uh, like I said before, most of us are not going to be doing some crusade open door with speakers and God's called us in normal life to impact normal atmospheres of work and neighborhood and telephone conversations and those kinds of things. Who is it that we want to reach? It's people of peace, as Jesus puts it. It's people who, have, who, who know us, who know something of what we stand for and are welcoming of us, who have a positive energy with us. You know what I'm saying? There are some people who just don't dig you you know, that's okay. But there's some people that you feel there's a bridge being built. I've had the incredible privilege, I don't even understand this, other than God. The team leader of the 350 agents in my office is spending weekly sessions training one individual. Guess who that is? Me. Yeah. And um, building a rapport 30 to usually 60 minutes every single week with this guy. Positive rapport, we're laughing. I'm not going to share the gospel and cram it down his throat, but I sure am praying for him on a regular basis and believing that there will be, come a time. Now, now think about the influence that this individual has. Do you know what I'm saying? Strategy. I, not my strategy. It's God just lead. I don't know how you walk in, you know. Like, how did I get here? What? I, don't, I honestly don't even know. So... Um, Luke 10, verse 1, let's just read it and, and kind of state the obvious. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. Say 70 others. That would mean you would be in this picture if you're a disciple of him. He, would, he is sending you and me just like this. He sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he was about to come. And then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send forth laborers into his harvest. Just as a note there, he's sending, he's sending laborers into the harvest. And as they go, he's telling them, pray that the Lord would send laborers into the harvest. And the idea is that in the harvest are more laborers. That as you reach people, the idea is that they pass through this funnel and become a laborer just like you. That's the idea as you go. That's what you're looking for. Go, behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves, carry neither purse nor bag nor sandals, and greet no one by the way. I love this. This cuts right through the, 
the uber gooey presentation that we've seen of Jesus over and over. He is loving, but he's also severe. <laughs> he's like, okay, I'm sending you as lambs amongst wolves. Deal with it. And, uh, of course, he's with us as we go. Into whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. Make your proclamation. Make your presence and what you stand for known. And if a son of peace is there, a person of peace, your peace shall rest on it. If not, it shall return to you. If you present yourself, make yourself known, and the person isn't kind of, there's no connection, it's not happening, it's okay. If they reject you, it's okay. There are billions of people on this planet. Keep moving. But if your peace rests there, in other words, if there's this camaraderie, if there's this affinity, here's what you do. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking the things shared by them, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Do not move from house to house. Build where you have been received. So in our context, that would mean as Deb goes to work and she is doing what she does in work to be a blessing in and of itself, but she's also looking for the gospel opportunities that as somebody is building this positive camaraderie, there's this synergy, you can just kind of feel it, she invests into that relationship, praying into that relationship, asking God for the open door into that relationship, and seeing what happens. It's a lot easier to invite somebody to a social event where you can share a meal with somebody who likes you than somebody who doesn't like you. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's like actually that easy. Even in real estate, it's the same thing. If, I can tell. This person, we're not gelling. It's, it's weird. It's a hiccup. Another person loves me. It usually works with that person, not the other. Same thing with the impact of the kingdom of heaven. So let's conclude this, shall we? Uh, people of peace are people that receive you well, and they are going to open, you, open up to you their spheres of relationship. You, you build in with one person, I guarantee you that person has a whole network of people that once you have a positive impact on their life, all of the, the trust factor is going to be there for the people they're connected to to now be open to you and what you have to bring. And you focus on the people of peace and you don't start with the gospel. You start with rapport. Now, if you're going to Africa and you're doing some open-air tent crusade, fine, start with the gospel. It's hard to build rapport with 100,000 people. But if you're just making relationships, start with rapport. Can we please not be a turnoff in our zeal for gospel impact? So, conclusion. Are you ready? If you want... To save for a future expense, maybe you want to go on a vacation or buy a new car, do you hope that one day cash flow permits that or do you make a plan and save? That's a good response. And if you have a lot of things to do today before 3 o'clock p.m., more than you think that you can do, do you think through what needs to be done and what when what should be done and have some kind of a plan or do you just start hammering and going crazy and trying to do whatever yeah. or what should you do maybe not what do you do but what should you be doing a make a plan how many of you found that when you make a plan you actually realize you can do it okay when you need to eat certain meals this week do you make a grocery list with the ingredients of those meals, or do you just rock up to the grocery store and somehow the recipes fall into your lap? Make a plan. If you want to see rebuilders of ruins happening, do we just kind of stumble into life and hope that that happens, or do we make a plan? My challenge for us this month, in the month of May, is that each of us consider what is our plan to have a wide mouth funnel of connecting with people, not to like build this thing of, no, to, love, to be on mission and to accomplish in our lifetime what God's called us to do. Amen. We can get into how we as a church 
partner together in helping one another and those that come in to move through this funnel and to become rebuilders, that's awesome. But I say, let's start with making sure that we're being gospel intentional in our lives. That's, that's one challenge that I have for myself and for everybody. And then I also want to ask this question, and maybe if you could just silence your heart. And um, in this moment, all of us, and we need to jet in order to accommodate the time that we've told people, but ask this question of ourselves within the presence of God. Jesus, who is here, right here, right now. Am I poor in spirit? And let's move from that question. It's not just navel-gazing and observing, am I poor in spirit? but to acknowledge before the Lord right now to make yourself poor in spirit. Lord, I need help. I would suggest specifically, because I'm doing this in my own life, I need help in fulfilling the call. So I'm asking for help, I'm determined to get help, and I'm going to look for the help that's around me. I'm telling you, the angels of heaven rejoice when one person acknowledges their need for help because it creates the space for the kingdom of heaven to invade. Everybody asked for help? I encourage you to do that throughout the month of May, and I just want everyone in the church body to know that... um, as we, as we said, we're going to be going through this making followers of Jesus, helping others to follow Jesus through this month of May. Was that challenging a little bit? Good? That's accomplished its purpose. I'm being challenged. I'm only challenging us with the challenge I'm receiving. But in June, we're going to turn and we're going to start through the warm months because we have realized that in Detroit, warm months, you can connect with people cold months, everyone hibernates. You already know this. I'm new here, and I have realized to have social gatherings and things in the cold months of, it just is far more difficult. We have, for the sake of the Great Commission, an incredible opportunity during the warm months in Detroit. And so that's what we're focusing on in the warm months. And so we're actually, starting in June, we're going to start, we're going to shift from making followers of Jesus, which is equipping us to do the work of the ministry, to stuff that's going to be more for those that we're reaching, if you understand what I'm saying. Blessing the multitudes, as it were. So I just want that to be on your, on your radar, that in June it's, we're, we're going to have an atmosphere where maybe it would be a little bit more appropriate to be inviting people to come to church and that kind of thing, and, and to know that this is going to be more geared towards them for a season. We'll see how long that season lasts. Bless you, I'm going to pray. And then immediately, I'm going to get the, the thing started. Yeah, so let's pray. Father, we are in awe, Lord. Honestly, we just honor you. Jesus, we honor you. We are in awe of what you have done, and we are certainly in awe that you have brought us in through the work of Jesus into covenant with you, that you call us sons and daughters, and you have us here sent into this earth just like you sent Jesus. As the Father sent me, so I send you, you said, and we are in awe of that. And Lord, we want to be more committed, more thought through, more given to that mission than Keller Williams Realty. We want to be experts at accomplishing what you have spoken over us. We humble ourselves before you. You are the Lord of the harvest. We ask you to teach us to do your work. Lead us in it. We thank you that your your power is in it. We pray for our city. We pray for the poor, the poor in spirit, the, the poor. We pray that you would open up ways as you already are to connect and to influence, to share the gospel and to see rebuilders of ruins 
uh, transformed lives, God. Let your kingdom come to this city. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, could you guys do your thing, like the, and I'm going to go out there and get a grill going, and then I can hand that over to you, and we're going to play some wiffle ball and hot dogs and have some Motown music. Yes, we're going to grill wiffle ball and, and play hot dogs. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Kurt, do you know where I can get like a really long extension cord to? Yes. Yes. So in here, there's like two different orange cables just taking both. Okay, that was hot. Hot doesn't help preaching. That's for sure. Okay, good, but there were, there, were, there were some eyes rolling here and there. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I might as well get the, yeah, awesome, thank you. Dude, you rock, thank you. You stand for hot dogs? Yes. Okay, good. There we go, we'll, we'll hang. How do you keep it? Is there a way? Yeah. No, I mean that that uh, yeah that keeps it from shutting, but yeah. not from. It keeps it from locking, not from shutting. Right. Um, I just need a. Oh, thank you! Wow. Oh. There we go. So now I need to. I think I'm gonna put my thing down. Cool. Yes. What's that? Uh, I don't think they have any out here. It's kind of not that kind of building. Is there? Let's let's try it then. I see. So. I don't know if there's one further down or not. No, I don't really. Where do you want the? Yeah, that that'll work, and I probably just need this. I wasn't sure based on the acoustics of this space, uh -huh. where, and the tininess of my Alexa. But this is probably the best we're gonna get. Well, the other thing is, it's a whole lot harder to steal up here. Oh, thank you. Um, honestly, I think Minda would probably be the better person to ask. Where's she at? Uh, she's with the youth. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you. 